0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. No good
1: in the back? All right, questions for kidding? First one will be,
0: Chris, we got the microphone. We got to wait a second. In person, press conferences. <laughs> I heard you had to wear pants today. I did.
1: All right, I think we're live, Christopher. Uh, welcome to On the Bench. I'm Brent Sano and I got Chris Nee joining me. This is the first time I've hosted the podcast in what, like two months? I'm, I'm a little, little rusty here.
0: It's like riding a bike, buddy. Just hopped right back on.
1: So before we get going, in this episode, is going to be Chris and I basically kind of putting a wrap on uh, season preview content that we've been doing periodically here in the last month or so, but then also getting into the Notre Dame preview as FSU is just two sleeps away from facing Notre Dame on Sunday evening should be a pretty pretty crazy environment at Doe Campbell Stadium Uh, but first Chris I gotta ask why did you ask Kenny Dillingham about his pants the other day
0: I was told that Kenny uh inquired if the press conference was going to be via the lovely zoom or Uh, in person and when he found out it was in person he realized well I definitely have to wear pants in
1: I mean that's fair. Uh, are you bring wearing pants little, right now? Bringing a little
0: lightheartedness to it, buddy. Just trying to have some fun with it. <laughs> it's not all as serious as we make it.
1: That's very true. So speaking of it not being serious, of it being fun, uh, like I said, Chris, it's going to be a expected a pretty pretty ruckus environment on Sunday evening. I don't know if it's. I don't think they've announced it to be a sellout yet. They're still working on that. But the student section has sold out uh, of tickets, and we're we're going to see at least seventy thousand probably. Probably closer to 80000 and close to reaching the capacity amount on Sunday evening. Obviously, the first time FSU has been able to be at capacity in more than a year. Uh, a big opponent, only showing town on Sunday. So what are your thoughts on, on the environment what we're going to see coming up here in a couple of
0: days? Well, we'll probably be the best crowd since the VTech game, so it's been a while. Um, hopefully, it endures more than the VTech game because obviously that didn't get going very well at all. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I, football is so much better with people in the stands. It's an enjoyable experience. At the end of the day, football games, especially at a university, are like a family reunion to some degree. You're getting with friends. You're getting with people you haven't seen in a while. You're getting with people from out of town. You're having a little fun. Hopefully your team wins, and, man, then you're going to have a hell of a lot of fun. But, you know, I'm just looking forward to it. I, I love the game of football. I enjoy it. It's one of those things I did as a kid growing up. I used to go with my older brother when he was here as a student. Obviously, I did it as a student, both as a person covering games and a person just attending the university. And then, you know, I've had the luxury as an adult to at times go just with the family when I was doing the state of Florida recruiting stuff and obviously working a ton of games over the last two decades. So I, I love it. It's an awesome thing to do. It's a fun sa- Saturday afternoon. Win or lose, it's still enjoyable to see people that you call friends and just hang out with people. And there's memories made in there. There's things. I mean, we talked about, you know, openers a couple of shows ago, and I I hearkened back to the Louisiana Tech game in the late 90s. You know, favorite game in dope, 96 UF comes to mind. So, you know, you're you're talking about things from 25 years ago, for example. And obviously, there's been a heck of a lot of good memories in between 25 years ago and now for me.
1: Richie Barnes, uh, host of Double Fries No Slaw, just chimed in on Periscope where I'm uh, having this go live as well to so see how that goes. He said, it's going to be amazing when swag surfing comes on just before kickoff. Uh, don't,
0: don't do that. Stuart. Don't do it to us.
1: Yeah. Don't, don't put that evil on us, Richie. Don't do it. Uh, Now, if they're winning, open
0: the second half with it. Why not? Hey, have a little fun.
1: No, just (laughs) I don't think you want I don't think you want that anywhere around uh, the environment on Sunday evening, at least not the first the first game of the season. Maybe maybe ease into swag surfing a little bit. It's amazing
0: the things that permanently (laughs) dance like that just carry with us endure.
1: It is. It's a Pavlovian dog kind of kind of effect. Yeah. and I got abused on Twitter that one time that I didn't know that that was the actual like there was a song. Just like I didn't get that the song associated and then the swags, so whatever. We don't need to. We need to go through history here. We can we can stay. It's the uh, first song
0: on your playlist now.
1: I, I mean, we are allowed to use. We do have the rights to use it anytime we want on on the bench. We've been given permission, so that's cool. Uh, also on Sunday, get into that a little bit, Chris. I we Josh and Zach had a really good recruiting preview podcast uh i think two days ago i would implore everyone to go check that out it's in depth it's thorough it's informative it give you a good idea of what is going to be on the docket this weekend it's a huge recruiting weekend for fsu uh but real quick real real quick chris uh to add in that there's going to be a lot of recruiting and then there's also going to be commemoration of bobby bowden uh, that's just going to add to the importance of this game the environment and just the overall atmosphere fear i imagine right
0: yeah, under the lights, flyover, packed house, only show in town, only thing in college football on Sunday. I mean, it, it doesn't get much better. I, I think atmosphere-wise it has potential of being like that Oklahoma game about 10 years ago where that place was jumping. It, it was electric. I mean, the, the Notre Dame game in what, was it 14 in Delta, yes. Notre Dame? That was mm-hmm. a heck of an atmosphere. Those are some of the ones I think of more recently where I hope Sunday can be like that.
1: Okay, But for that it. to happen, FSU has to compete. Has to compete. Well, let's get into the game preview, uh, the game preview aspects of FSU Notre Dame. So Notre Dame comes in as the number nine team in the country according to the AP poll. FSU is on ranked. And right now, I think as of this morning, as we record this on Friday morning, Chris, Notre Dame's the the line is down to Notre Dame giving seven points. So it keeps kind of moving lower and lower. I don't know what to make of that. I don't know where the, that change is coming from, but it opened at like what, 10 and a half. Points or so. Yeah, it so was when swung. I was in
0: Vegas in late July, it was nine and a half. I believe I had just dipped under 10 at that point. So yeah, it's been a slow climb down.
1: I don't know if, if someone knows something that, that we don't know or whatnot, but yeah, it's a touchdown, a touchdown favorite for Notre Dame right now. Uh let's start off with FSU's offense versus Notre Dame's defense. Uh so some some stats here, and then I'm gonna get Chris to go into to personnel, but uh, Notre Dame is coming off a season in which they were 56 nationally in yards allowed per game with 5.56. Uh, they do lose a couple of, of key defenders in the front seven. Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, uh, I think he was number six last year. He he was the hybrid safety linebacker. He went in the second round to the Cleveland Browns of this past year's NFL draft. Uh, talent level probably beyond a second round pick that the NFL just didn't know like whether to use him as like, a hybrid safety or uh, a linebacker. And he's going to be a very good pro in my opinion because because he just flies around and hits people and, and that plays in the nfl you'll, you'll you'll succeed for a long time to be athletic and to be able to, to hit and strike uh they also lose their sack leader oh, i'm gonna butcher his name uh konubo ogudeji i think i got that okay it wasn't smooth but we got there so they lose a fair amount but uh Chris, maybe in the personnel who's coming out, they do bring a lot back in that front, seven still. And then also, um, maybe you want to start off with this dude here because I know you love him, Kyle Hamilton at safety.
0: Well, they lost, I think it was nine total to the NFL draft last year, and that's on both offense both and defense. Sides. And it was, it was fairly split among the two groups. Defensively, yeah, it starts with Kyle Hamilton. He's one of the best safeties in the country. He's a guy who's capable, capable of taking away a decent portion of the field. Very good in run support, very good against the pass. He's a well-balanced safety. He's a guy who's super effective. He completely runs that back end. The other name at safety is Houston Griffith, familiar to FSU recruiting fans. Mm -hmm. He's a guy FSU, you know, pursued very heavily and was ultra involved with. He's now a graduate senior for them to make you feel old. So that's kind of their safety. So those guys kind of help control it in the back end. I think their corners are, I don't want to use the word necessarily vulnerable, but I think that's a place where you may try to attack, especially if they're going to be willing to give you one-on-ones. And Kenny Dillingham referenced on, Tuesday, and this week's Monday press conference. That is you pass win one-on-ones. That's an overriding theme from last year to this year, something they didn't do effectively. Their starting corners will be Clarence Lewis, Cam Hart, are the expectations for those two. Talented guys. I mean, Notre Dame doesn't recruit bad football players, but I do think when I look at the defense of the 11, if I had to pick a segment, of group, that I feel like is somebody you can go after. It's those two, but obviously having a guy like Hamilton in the back end can help make up for one of those guys if they're struggling on the day. Now, where FSU is going to have trouble with Notre Dame's defense is a front seven. Notre Dame's defense is always very talented in the front seven. And despite the injury to one of their expected starting linebackers, their linebacker group is still excellent. Drew White, who's Mike linebacker for them, he's a prototypical tackle-collecting Notre Dame linebacker. He has a tendency to be around the ball, finish plays effectively, does a really good job. Jack Kaiser is a rover type, which in their scheme is a little bit more of a run support linebacker type against teams that are trying to run it. He's very effective. He can come down and do a lot. And then off the edge, I think Isaiah Foskey is a guy who – he did some things for them last year. He was effective in a reserve role. He's moved into the starter role at Viper. He's a 6'5", 260-pound, speed rush, big body, capable of being a run support, pass rush guy. He's going to be a handful. The offensive tackles will be challenged by him. They go more with that 3-4 front with the Viper coming down, making a four-man front at times. Um I'm not even gonna to try to pronounce it, but uh to a cousin Myron Tekalua Amosa,
1: who's one was, of the DNs. I think that was yeah. better than my Ade Kudnubo Deji. So Yeah, I Get wish I could here. just
0: like create an audio uh you know, pronunciation guide and just hit the button and let it say it for us. That would be phenomenal. Get on that snow and that's next. That's what we'll do with our All right, I'll
1: time. I'll work it as I'm getting uh as I'm getting Josh Newberg messaging me in the middle of a live recording saying he can't watch the video. I don't know what you want me to do about that, Josh. Like <laughs> figure figure it out. I don't know what you want me to do, Berg.
0: Myron's big body DN run support guy. He can kind of play any role along that front four that they want him to play, front three that they want him to play. He can be a strong side end. He can be a guy that can push a pass a little bit. He can certainly slide to the inside and be effective. Kurt Hinnish, very talented big body interior lineman. He's their nose. And Jason lola I think is how you say it. He's their true true D tackle. He's six three, two eighty. That front four group is really, really talented. Um with Viper being included in that front four. I think that's going to be an issue for FSU. I think FSU's offensive line is going to be tested regularly and often. I think we're going to see FSU packing it in quite a bit with maybe two tight end sets or at least a back braid, a chip out of backfield, or even a tight end set in the backfield as essentially an H-back, fullback type helping out there. I think that's something they're going to have to really deal with. Um, I don't want to rush too far ahead because we're going to talk about things that we think it's kind of a key to the game. But I think the fact that Notre Dame's, front seven should be super effective to fsu i think the way you counter that isn't necessarily max protection or trying to block it up it may be using their aggressiveness and their success against them mm-hmm. we'll get into that later
1: well let's this will be kind of a good transition into it because their defensive coordinator is marcus freeman uh he replaced clark lee who went to vanderbilt to be the head, the head coach there took Barton simmons yep. with him. Uh, marcus freeman had a very successful run at cincinnati from i think it was 2017 to this past year and, uh, and Cincinnati, one of the best defenses in the country at all levels uh, and among like the, the top like one to, to three uh, group of five defenses the last couple of years as well as a UCF alum and, and watched UCF face those uh, Cincinnati defenses. They're super versatile and able to kind to change uh, change schemes within the course of a game plan to make things really difficult and be very, uh, very hybrid focused, very aggressive. I will say this about Marcus Freeman. I'll pull up some stats here real quick. Uh, this is obviously new to see how he's going to use his personnel at Notre Dame, but at Cincinnati, they ran man coverage 24.8% of the time, according to True Media. Uh, that was 11th among all FBS teams. So they're going to run a ton of man. Uh, that's because they're aggressive. They blitz a lot, and they're pretty successful when br- when blitzing. Their pressure rate when they do blitz is 22nd nationally from 2017 to 2020, Marcus Freeman's career there. Uh, they're, they're fine giving up a lot of yards through the air, or at least allowing teams to be aggressive and trying to beat the man-to-man stuff. Uh, average air yards allowed in Marcus Freeman's tenure, 10.65, 10. 116th nationally. But they defended those passes well, so you're able to create pressure and create uh, basically 50-50 balls in the air. with Their DBs are pretty good. They won a lot of the time. Their third down defense, 35th, or sorry, 35.8% uh, conversion rate allowed. That's 25th nationally. So, so basically it's a very aggressive defense. They're going to blitz a lot. They're going to be multiple with what they do and attack a lot with their linebackers and kind of change between three- and four-man fronts. So a lot of teams do nowadays, uh, but, but their goal is to to force you into third and long and, and go man-to-man outside and blitz you and and basically force defense or offenses into bad throws, and, and they do that at a really high level at Cincinnati. Uh, Chris, what are your thoughts on, on just Mike Norvell's familiarity uh, with Marcus Freeman? They've had some pretty good uh, battles over the years when Mike was at Memphis and and Freeman was at Cincinnati.
0: Well, I think he understands that one-on-ones is probably the key to this all.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, they've, hit,
0: they've hit on that point for a month now straight and it's one of those things coming off last season they set out to resolve that's why they went and got andrew parchment why they recruited malik mcclain those are guys they hope can win one-on-ones and then you know a guy like kentron or a guy like darian is another guy who they hope potentially can win one-on-ones they have to do it Notre darian, darian
1: williamson hive
0: yeah that's true. your president i forgot mm-hmm. um they're going to give you the opportunities. You got to capitalize. You're only going to get a handful of them. You know, maybe a half dozen in a game. You better hit on more than three of them. That's the thing. They're going to give you those opportunities. And I think FSU is going to set up shop plays. I don't think FSU is going to live a whole lot in the intermediate. I think there's going to be a lot of quick screen work, a lot of running it in different versions and styles. You know, option, straight up with the back, some uh, shovel type stuff. That's you know, pass run sort of stuff. Uh, they're going to try to keep them off balance. I think they're going to be aggressive with trying to get in the spaces, especially to the edges, trying to get just outside those linebackers sealing off edges. And, you know, Jordan Travis, who at this point I expect to start, and I think will be the primary quarterback of the Whoa, game. Whoa,
1: spoiler alert. I was going to ask you that later on. Thanks. No,
0: sorry, but it, I think he is going to be a key component of attacking them with the run. But I think via the run, they're going to try to open up some quick passing stuff, some uh, essentially pass option stuff where they get him to the edge and maybe make a quick pass outside, depending on how the corner or the safety reads the play. I I think that's where FSU is going to try to find their bread and butter offensively. I don't think FSU walks in this game and tries to play straight up offensive football, you know, fundamental basic lineup and try to run after him and throw it wide. I I don't don't think think we see a lot of that. I think they they set up plays like that. No, I don't think they can either. So um, Freeman's damn good at what he does, though. He's a guy who a lot of people think will be head coach in the next few years, and I'm not here to discount that fact. He did a very, very good job at Cincinnati, and he's got better personnel probably at his disposal at Notre Dame. So mm-hmm. I wholeheartedly think he's going to throw something at him. But I do think the familiarity of him creates a great chess match between him, Mike Norvell, and others that have played one another at different coaching stops. Um, it's going to be interesting what they hearken back to, what worked at Memphis against Cincinnati. Does Norvell throw that at him? And if he does, is that something that Freeman expects? Because, well, it worked for Memphis against Cincinnati. I think that's one of those little uh, in-game storylines that's going to be enjoyable to follow.
1: Uh, one thing I'll say about the context of Cincinnati versus Memphis back in 2019, going watching you know those two teams play twice back-to-back weeks. Mike Norvell did a – and obviously his personnel, I think, was more established to – Yeah, there's more established at that point offensively with him knowing what he had and guys being in the system for multiple years uh, to kind of unleash everything that he wanted to. Uh, But Mike Norvell did a really good job of using Cincinnati's aggressiveness on defense against them. That's something that you've alluded to, Chris. Do you think that's how you have to beat Notre Dame uh, this weekend if you're FSU? I I agree totally seeing what Mike Norvell did uh, with with a lot of screens, a lot of counters, uh, things to basically if someone's going to be aggressive, you got to try to catch them catch them getting out of their lane or, or being uh, out of position. Uh, A lot of quick throws too to the perimeter, uh, maybe some crossing stuff. And, and basically you're just trying to beat those man-to-man concepts and hope you get numbers. And then, like you said, win those one-on-one. So that's going to be a big part of the game plan. I would imagine coming up here on Sunday. Uh, Go ahead. Good example
0: to expound on that is, you keep a back end or you keep a tight end and, and they essentially chip block a guy coming off the edge. But when they release, they got to get going. They got to get vertical, got to get down the field, got to get in space, wheel route, whatever the system's going to be. Mm-hmm. The quarterback either has to evade said guy released or get rid of it as he's going to get hit and take the hit and hope that plays effective. That's how they're going to hit plays. It's, It's essentially, what are we willing to sacrifice to try to effectively have a play here? It's not a, this guy's going to work to a space, sit down, and we're going to hit him. I don't think it's that. I think it's very much, we release that guy. That guy's got a great chance of getting a sack or a tackle for loss or creating havoc in the backfield. Now we got to make that guy either miss or get rid of it before he Mm -hmm. gets there and hope the play pulls off. I think that's what we're going to see a lot of is it's almost like tying over and over and over. And some of that, because of Jordan Travis's escapability, is also Travis just playing backyard football and making something happen.
1: Yeah, you tailor your offense to your strengths, and, and I think Jordan Travis's mobility, improved passing ability, as well. Those are those appear to be strengths and things you can rely on to at least a certain extent right now for Florida State as you go into this game as an underdog. Chris, I'm going to now switch to FSU's defense versus Notre Dame's offense, but I don't want to get into a whole lot of stats from last year just because this group is going to be so different it's a new quarterback mostly a new offensive line the wide receivers that are there are uh, are guys who've been around for a while and, and I know people covering Notre Dame are extremely high on what that group can do but those guys have also had a lot of injuries and haven't played a lot in their career so uh, there's a lot of unknowns for this offense I'm going to ask you to go over the personnel a little in depth for the listeners I'm going to go grab coffee refill real quick so uh, you got the solo for like a minute
0: yeah I can do it All all right So if I was a betting man, I would bet on Kevin Austin. He's a veteran wide receiver for Notre Dame. He does not have a lot of career stats, but he is a guy that since the moment he walked on campus there, they believed he was going to be a big deal. He is healthy. He's had great preseason from all accounts. He's 6'2", 215, athletic outside receiver. They desperately need a receiver to step up. Avery Davis, 5'11", 202, is a veteran wide receiver. He's kind of a dependable guy. He was effective last year. But I don't think he goes from being the guy who was effective last year to being that number one type. I think it's much more likely Kevin Austin becomes that number one wide receiver type for them. Brayden Lindsey is also in that conversation, a little bit more veteran, has done some stuff. But if I was betting on a breakout player for Notre Dame offensively in this game, I would put the chips in on Kevin Austin. I think he's super talented. You know, we know who Kyron Williams is. We saw the back of his jersey way too much last year as he was running away from FSU. Chris Tyree is a great speedy compliment to him in the backfield. Sebo Floodmuster, I'm probably butchering that name. I apologize. That sounds right. Uh, kind of a third-back power guy. Though you'll use him in the mix, but it's more Williams-Tyree as the attack there. Quarterback Jack Cohn. I know Brendan's going to kind of work on him. He wrote a good bit about upset special, how it's going to happen. Jack Cohn was a big piece of that. Transfer from Wisconsin didn't play much last year. I believe it was foot or ankle injury that prevented him. And then Graham Mertz went and took his job. That's why he transferred. He's a big quarterback, not much of a threat with the legs. Uh, a lot of dink and dunk at Wisconsin. The, the heat map for the vertical and going deep, not much there, and definitely not to the middle of the field. It'll be interesting. Notre Dame system, different personnel. If that changes, was that a matter of Wisconsin's system holding Jack back, or was that Jack's capability in Wisconsin system? That's a big question mark there. Michael Merritt, the tight end for uh, Notre Dame, best player on their entire offense. Future NFL pro, one of the best tight ends in college football. He's going to be a pain in the, you know what, for the FSC linebackers. That's a major concern for me, with how he matches up to them, how he kind of takes control of the middle of the field, in part opening up running lanes and in part opening up one-on-ones on on the outside for wide receivers to win. And then the O-line, a lot of new faces. Blake Fisher, starting freshman left tackle. I believe that is the first starting freshman left tackle in Notre Dame history. They've had other starting freshman tackles, but I don't think on the left side. Kane Madden, we're all very familiar with, expected to start at right guard. Jarrett Patterson at center is a very talented, experienced player. He's a big piece, kind of the – I would say he's the uh, most solid lug nut on the wheel, holding it together for them. He's kind of the guy that knows what he's doing. The other tackle spot is Josh Lug, veteran. Zeke Carroll – Correll, I'm sorry, Zeke Correll is the left You made a guard. lug
1: nut reference and then talked about someone with the last name in a road, Yeah, in a I, I realized a that as I
0: was doing it. I, I knew I was going to go there, but – I. I Jarek Patterson is Lugna. Um, and Zeke Carell is a left guard, talented kid. Their O line's inexperienced in the sense of starts. Kane Madden has as many starts at Marshall as the rest of the O line at Notre Dame has at Notre Dame. That's starting. So that kind of gives you an idea of those numbers. I think it's 31 starts for Madden at Notre Dame, 31 starts for the rest of the O line. Blake Fisher is a big timer. He was coming out of high school. I think he's lived up to everything they expected. I don't think that's a matter of their starting a freshman left tackle because while we have nobody else, I think it's a matter of they're starting a freshman left tackle because in three years, he's going to be a top 10 pick type of guy. Mm -hmm. I think it's more one of those. So they're talented up front. If I was FSU, I would try to make the freshman left tackle uncomfortable immediately without hesitation, maybe overload them and just bring it after him and see if you can shake him a little. Um, And you got to do something against their tight end, whether it's chipping him, whether it's, you know, just being really aggressive with him in the first five yards, you got to try to take him out of the game plan to some degree and force it on somebody else because he's a guy that knows he can do it. The Avery kid at wide receiver is not one that knows he can do it, but they don't have a lot of offensive skill other than running back tight end and that one wide receiver that has really done it at a high level. So I think you try to put the illness on those guys.
1: Going to Notre Dame's offensive line, because ultimately I think we we both agree, and this is going to sound cliche, but it's going to be very true for this game. This game's going to be one in the trenches and how FSU's defense responds to Notre Dame's uh, potential or assumed physicality up front we know what notre dame wants to do they want to run the ball a ton they ran it right out of fsu last year uh, without much resistance what was the final uh, tally for rushing yards was it like 328 or something like that Yeah, it was 300
0: plus which was just painful
1: i'm throwing up a comment here by gabe torres says i don't trust notre dame quarterback If FSU, fsu can keep notre dame to under 500 rushing yards i think fsu <laughs> won't get blown out hopefully a little bit less than 500 rushing yards uh, but my point being is that fsu is going to is going to field Notre Dame early on. Notre Dame is going yeah. to try to assert itself. Uh, we're expecting, you know, two tight ends and, and basically you, if you're Notre Dame. You want to force FSU to try to stop the run with, you know, 4-3, four, 3-4, three, three, four, whatever you want to say personnel with it, with its base defense. You don't want them to get to their defensive back rotation with that group being perceived better than last year. Um, so that's gonna be a big part of it. Going to the running game, Chris, I do want to say you touched on the offensive line and And some of the guys they lost, they lost three players that were in the top 100 of the NFL draft on the offensive line alone last year. I'm going to go over the PFF grades for what the starting five was last year compared to this year, just to show what you're replacing. Yeah. From left to right, Notre Dame's PFF grades and 80 is really, really good. 90 is elite, just for context. 89.9 at left tackle, 81.3 at left guard, 81.7 at center, 76.5 at right guard, 89.6 at right tackle. Your tackles were basically top 10 power five tackles last year. Now coming up in 2021, left tackle not available. Chris mentions a true freshman, but but one who who very well may be a stud, but, but first game, we don't know. Uh, left guard, 56.6 center returner, 81.7 right guard. Love is Kane nut. Madden. Love love uh, nut.
0: 90,
1: 92.5 for Kane Madden. That's at Marshall. So a group of five numbers. Uh, we expect Kane Madden to probably be a very good. Power five player, but probably not going to be quite as dominant as he was against uh, CUSA competition. And then right tackle, the the original lug, but not the lug nut, 68.6. So the tackles, there's going to be a huge difference in terms of what you had in terms of experience last year. Uh, potentially play, we'll see, but, but the experience drops off quite a bit. And left guard, certainly a big difference as well. So, so we'll see if Notre Dame can run effectively on FSU. But, Chris, you mentioned they still have those two really good running backs at one-two punch. Uh, FSU is going to be asked to be physical early on. How do you think they're going to respond to that?
0: I'm very interested in that because the way preseason camp is, and not just solely for FSU, the way college football has done it, it's not near as physical as it was 10 years ago or certainly not as it was 20 years ago when I started doing this. So there's not a ton of hitting. There's a lot of thudding, a lot of keep them on their feet, you know, don't get down. Once in a blue moon, you see a DJ Lundy fly out and put somebody on their rear end, but it doesn't happen a lot. So all of a sudden you roll out there on Saturday night, your juices are flowing, everybody's into it, and you got, you know, five 300-pound guys up front trying to flatten you, and, you know, somebody's shooting through the hole leading Kyron Williams, who's a big old back in his own right, trying to stop you. And all of a sudden, you're trying to take that guy on one-on-one, and you've not hit somebody this hard since November of last year, or December last year, because of the scheduling. It, it just it's one of those things that I don't know how you do with it until you do it. It's you know, I watching Minnesota Ohio State last night. That first, I think it was the first touchdown, the running touchdown for Ohio State. Yeah, Minnesota's defense looked flat footed and just not super physical. And then the middle stretch of that game, Minnesota's defense was very physical, very good, very, very strong at the point of attack. Still allowed a lot of rushing yards, but they were much more physical. It's almost one of those things where it's like shaking away the cobwebs. And I I think that's one of those things that can harm a team. And, you know, Notre Dame comes out and runs it down FSU's throat first series and wins physically. You really have to see, do they respawn? Response is such a big storyline with FSU and it has been now for several years. Mike Norton loves
1: loves yelling that out in the middle of practice. Yeah, and
0: he he references it regularly. I mean, he talked yesterday in his last time talking to us before the game about there's going to be moments that don't go well in this game. It's it's about how we respond to that. That's one of those things I want to see. I am concerned about physicality in every facet of the game. And it's probably true for both sides of the ball. I just know Notre Dame is established as a physical bunch. Mm -hmm. It's sort of the DNA of the program under Brian Kelly. It's a standard that is there. Mike Norvell is trying to establish that standard here. Certainly last year's team was not physical enough far often enough. So it's one of those things you got to see. So it's, that's one of those first quarter. I think we're going to have a pretty good idea of as FSU ready to buck up and be physical and, I'm not talking like you know masculinity of, oh, I hit a guy, let me flex over. I'm talking play in, play out, gang tackling, hitting Mm -hmm. the guy, driving them back, finishing tackles, putting your nose in there on consecutive plays. Are they doing that? That's going to be the key to FSU kind of making Notre Dame earn it. Notre Dame's offense is going to have to earn everything they get for FSU to have a chance of pulling off the upset. If it's coming easy to Notre Dame, especially in the running game, it's game over because it's going to open up a passing game. It would be much better if FSU forces Notre Dame into a situation where the game has to be on Jack Cohn's shoulders. I'd feel a lot better about FSU's chances there of maybe making something happen.
1: Let's talk about Jack Cohn real quick. I did do something on Knowles 24-7 to kind of show some of the metrics that he has as a passer. I won't get too bogged down into the numbers right now. You can check it out on Knowles 24-7. Chris alluded to this. Like we have radar charts, and we have some passing bins, and, and the radar chart will show the frequency of throws, like how often he goes to certain areas of the field. Uh, and, and you know, it'll be a deeper shade of yellow or whatever the color is for like a high propensity to throw in this area. When you see that, and that's just targets, it's almost 10 yards and below with this couple of like going to 15 yards or so on, on the outskirts, uh, on the perimeter a little bit. So when he was at Wisconsin in 2019, granted different offense, different offensive coordinator, different personnel around him, uh, but everything was living in that 10 yards or under area. I will say the passing bins show completion percentage or efficiency. You can kind of change the metric you're looking at uh, to, to fit into the passing bin, but just completion percentage, it kind of marks it from green to red. Green is a high level of a uh, completion percentage compared to the rest of the country. Red would be below average. And to me, this was interesting. Jack Cohn stuff on you know screens and then 10 yards or fewer, really, really bright green. Like he was very efficient, you know, in some areas. I think one area was like 89%. And and then in the 70s, you know, between like five and 10 yards. So very efficient, very accurate within a short area of the field. And when you watch him play, you see that that shows up at Wisconsin, that he's, he makes quick decisions. He protects the football and he's accurate, gets the ball out pretty quickly. But when you ask him to push the ball downfield a little bit, it gets dicier. Uh, he, He, the completion percentage beyond 10 yards drops to about 60%. Uh, a lot of red with all of his deeper throws that you see. And again, you watch that on film. Yeah, he can he can throw the ball and get it to a guy in one-on-one, but he's not someone who's going to you drop it in a bucket and be super precise consistently if you get him to throw the ball downfield. So to me, and this is where I'm going to get into some of the game plan stuff, Chris, I, I think it's essential. You know, you always want to win first down. Kenny Dillingham talked about the importance of winning first down at the beginning of a series, yeah. no matter what. Uh, and that's on the FSU's offensive side of the ball. Conversely, other side, defense, do you want to win early downs? FSU was really bad at getting off the field on third down, even when they had teams in third and long this year, uh, or his past year. But this is where you want to live. This is what you want to do this weekend against Notre Dame, is to get Jack Cohen in third and seven, third and six, third and eight, and force him to to beat you outside. Because we think the strengths perceived of this defense right now are going to be Jermaine Johnson, Keir Thomas, and whoever else you have rushing the quarterback. And potentially the cornerbacks and tra- uh, Travis J, Jarvis Brownlee, uh, maybe Miko Dotson or Kevin Knowles or, or someone else in, in that regard. Jerry Jones. Jerry and Jones as well, who, who's back and healthy. So uh, that's what I would say I think you have to see consistently is get them into third and long and then see what happens from there and, and apply pressure and get your best players in position to make plays.
0: You know, we saw 8 million times over the last month during situational football FS, FSU did a lot of situational football in the preseason. Cash money downs. Down. Money if, you, down. if, you, if you listen to this later, so, yeah, they
1: call it, money down, cash downs.
0: Yeah, so it, it's it's a huge point of focus. And, but you got to get them there first. And as an offense, FSU wants to avoid getting there.
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: when you get there, you got to convert. Because
1: FSU I mean, was pretty abysmal in cash downs, third and long, especially last year. I think they'll be a little bit better this year for what it's worth, but, but it would be hard to be much worse. They were dreadful in third and long on offense last year.
0: I think the things that will frustrate the staff if it happens in this game, I think there's a handful of them. They're expecting some shortcomings. They know what their football team is. Pre-snap penalties offensively, Kenny Dillingham may blow out his other knee. Um.
1: (laughs) One of my favorite parts of preseason camp has been, and Kenny's no longer on crutches, but when Kenny Dillingham – was on the crutches, and he saw something he didn't like. He would just take the crutches, throw them, and start screaming and running and limping and and would like forget that he had an injury. But the emphatic crutch throw is, to me, a very effective teaching tool. I liked it. It was a nice prop. Um,
0: Pre-snap penalties, not finishing runs. They will be very, very aggravated offensively if they don't finish runs, and defensively if they don't tackle guy backwards. Those are things that they have hammered on all spring, all preseason. It's been constant. I think another one is obviously special teams. Hey, I love you, Czar. Keep that kind of energy. 79, I'm here for it. He's got the BDE right now. Special teams, another area we've seen a boatload of in the preseason. It's an area where I think FSC believes they can exploit something and maybe have an advantage. We saw last year them block, what, five kicks, I think it was, on the year. They need to be better in the return game than they were last year. I think they believe they will be. Punting, I'm not concerned with. All
1: all the returners were hurt last year, pretty much, which did not help, or not 100%. That did not help with the explosive plays. Mastermal has
0: been very good in the preseason. Kicking, as far as field goal kicking, fingers crossed, it's been pretty effective in the preseason. They're going with Ryan Fitzgerald here. They believe that he's the one. They have confidence in it. Hopefully that holds true in a game. I hope for Fitz's sake, it does. Area that's hugely important. I think you want to see a lot of success in special teams basically winning the uh, hidden yardage game in that sense. I think those are three things that FSU has to do very well that are going to play in it. But the the third down comes down to avoiding screwing something up in the prior two downs on either side of the ball, and that's giving away free yards with penalties. I mean, to harken back to a game last night, Ohio State-Minnesota, when that game swung was back-to-back penalties by Minnesota's offense. Um, and this is after a series when Ohio State pass interference, extended a series for Minnesota and gave them the benefit. But you had uh, – a <clears throat> sorry. Oh, God, he's
1: dying. COVID. No after
0: no. the play, you had an uh, extra shove by an O-lineman onto the pile. Penalty. Next play, Carl Dunlap from IMG gets called for a yank. Clearly a hold on an inside run situation. Next thing you know, it's third and 30. You're running a little three-yard run to punt it away. That game very much flipped in that moment. Ohio State's offense got going again, kind of kept the momentum of the second half going, and then, boom, they run away with it. Minnesota was in a position to try to pull off an upset, and then so quickly you see them kind of sabotage themselves, and the better team goes and takes the win. And that's one of those things where FSU you cannot sabotage itself on Sunday evening.
1: Did you see UCF with the comeback win last night?
0: I didn't make it to the end. I saw it when it was – I think it was 14-0 when I, pa- I quit watching slash fell asleep. So, uh, yeah. They were losing fourteen nothing to the Fighting Hank Bachmeyers.
1: (laughs) I didn't even make it to kickoff, and I had a dream that UCF was down three to two. It turns out was a little more uh, high scoring than that. Ooh, look at this nice compliment. Michael Stevens says Chris is just a flow of information. He is appreciate it. He is very informative. Um, I love just throwing something to Chris and be like, "Hey, just talk about this." And shotgun Uh, or a machine gun, I guess. Shotgun would be shotgun. That fast, buddy. I mean, if they do, it'd be a problem for whatever zombie tries to break into my house. Significance of a win, Chris, or the impact of a potential loss. So we mentioned the recruits on campus, right? And obviously that's going to be big. And and this is a team that hasn't won a season opener since 2016. So it's been a minute. Uh, What would a win mean for this program? And conversely, uh, how do you think this team responds to a loss? I guess it depends on what kind of loss, right?
0: I I think a win means everything. Uh, You know, I I think... Mike Norvell and his staff feel a hell of a lot better about where they're at in the timeline. Uh, from a recruiting standpoint, we're going to get some emotional decisions if they're pulling off a win in that stadium because that place is going to be bananas. And, well, I'm here for it. You know, I got 11 official visitors and probably ballpark of at least 100 kids coming in. There's there's going to be somebody that's like, I want to be here. I want to do this. That happens. They may not stick within six months, but they're going to love it in the moment. Um, no, a win would be huge. I, I, think, I think a win would change... The attitude and the feeling among some on the roster, especially some of those guys who have now been here three-plus years, of we can do this. I think last year UNC was a nice shot in the arm and a positive moment, but it was in the kind of drab of a bad season. And they knew, you know, I don't think they believed they could sustain that week in, week out because of what was going on last year. I think a win out of the gate like that this year and the fact that you have essentially a softie in week two it might create some real positive momentum it might give you a little bit of a belief of hey we can we can do something here we can win more than people are expecting nine ten you know get in that flirtation zone and sometimes belief goes a long way a loss I, I think it's expected by most. i think it's more a matter of you need to go on and compete you need to show that you've improved is your defense better has to be can't get by with what it was last year just can't live that life again and I don't think they'll live that life again. I think they are a better defense because of the fact they had a spring, they had a preseason, and they have a lot more pieces and a lot more weapons, and I think they'll have a better pass rush, which is a huge key component to so many pieces of what the defense does. Yeah. So I feel good about that. But you got to lose in a manner where you competed. I I think it would be awesome if it's a competitive game going in the fourth quarter for FSU. I think that's a major win. Obviously, I think it will create some disappointment if they were to lose in a competitive game like that. But I think it creates some resolve and some, you know, we weren't that far off. If we did a few things differently, we would be better. Doors get blown off, you get your butt kicked, it's pretty concerning. It's just, it's one of those things where I I still worry about the mental conditioning of some components of this team. And given we're dealing with, what, is it 59% essentially new faces? Is that what the percentage of that?
1: Uh, for the two deep, uh, for the starting yeah. lineup, it for the starting lineup, yeah, it's like 58%, I think, uh, right on the dot there. Yeah.
0: So those guys necessarily don't live that life, but on a team where you need every piece of depth you can have because you don't have enough at this point in time, you got to have some of those pieces still buy in. And I just think if you right. get your blow- doors blown off, there's some guys that are going to be kind of like, you know, same stuff, different season. And you just don't want that. So I, I obviously don't, want to see a blowout I don't think they get blown out I did not to rush too far ahead I oh god no, don't spoil
1: it don't spoil it I no. picked them to lose by double digits but only no. 10
0: no. I think no. you can be competitive and still lose by 10 personally
1: I will get to my thoughts on the game a little bit I won't jump ahead like Chris you want to play some Sinone? I know you do I'm buying that all day i am um, that for sure. Bye, baby, bye. I am synoning it, but not <laughs> no! I'm, I'm going to synone it. I'm definitely synoning that. Big synone. I'd buy that. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> I
0: sonon both of you. You can't out-synone us. We're doing a little buyer synoning. Gonna- this segment is going to die because you are allowing the fans to do it. i, I mean, buy this, it. This whole segment's I- deteriorating. I will do it just so
1: <laughs> you do not want to play by but you will play. And I appreciate that. All right, let's go a little buyer. So it's going to be a blend of game preview season, preview opinions, uh, maybe a little fact bombs. All right, here we go. Buy or Jordan Travis starts for FSU on Sunday.
0: I'm buying that.
1: I will buy that as well. I think he's been the most consistent quarterback in preseason camp. Uh, the most consistent quarterback since spring, uh, but let me counter with this one. Byron Sinon Sinone, McKenzie Milton gets at least two series at quarterback.
0: I don't know if they do the whole series thing. I don't know if it's no. a, this is Jordan series, this is McKenzie series. I'm interested how they play that component. I guess I'll go with by because I do expect them to play and he'll probably play enough where it constitutes two series. But I don't know that it's necessarily the third series of this game belongs to this quarterback type of scenario. I don't know that they do that.
1: But man, if it was the other way around, so I think it'd be easier if it was we were going in with the assumption that McKenzie Milton was starting, which can still happen too. Um, but right now, I think we're both on um, J Trap Hive for starting. But if McKenzie Milton is a starting quarterback, you can say we sprinkle in Jordan Travis for a couple of plays here and there within a series. I don't know if you can do that with McKenzie Milton. Like, does taking Jordan Travis out? of the series and then putting mckenzie milton to change a whole lot like, uh, like are, you, I, are you throwing going for are you going from a, a change up to a fastball or curveball vice versa like i don't know if it. i, I it think to some degree at. you
0: might do it depending on what happened to prior series offensively do you want to have a little bit more time to talk to this quarterback that you have taken out to put in the other quarterback do you want to have more time to talk give him a second to collect himself i think there's some of that too i i I don't think FSU is stuck in the belief that they have to play only one quarterback, that they have to be a one quarterback team. You know, some teams want to evoke uh confidence in a singular guy so they're going to stick through with him thick and thin, all the stuff, and if they pull him, they're pulling him. Like he's not going back. I don't view FSU as playing that kind of tennis match with their quarterbacks. I think it's more both of these guys can help us win. We're going to use both. The reason I believe that uh um Jordan is your quarterback is one most reps giving him most rhythm and timing of anybody in the preseason. I think that's essential and very, very important, especially in a game where I do think timing is going to be such a key component of attacking aggressive, talented defense. Um, but I think Milton can go in there at times if if you want to give Travis a series just to collect himself or catch a breather, or if you just want to change it up a little bit or give Notre Dame a different look, get them uncomfortable to some degree because. Well, they're teeing off or doing well against this when Travis is in, but the offense may look a tad bit different with Milton. I think it's more about uh, kind of altering the rhythm of how the game is flowing more so than uh, maybe feeling like you're latching your wing into a certain quarterback horse. I don't think it's one knows where they're playing favorites. I think it's more trying to keep Notre Dame
1: off balance. All right. By or so McKenzie Milton starts at least five games for FSU this season good one it's a stumper for now i'll go sanone okay i don't know i think i'll go sanone as well But i think it'll be close uh, i think we'll see both start throughout the course of the year Kessna lawrence asked by or sanone fsu gets at least one interception off of notre dame i'm gonna buy that i think this defense has been super aggressive and has been pretty good at catching the football this preseason well, he so went you, one
0: plus, so I feel like he's saying over one. I'll go with push. I think they get at least uh, one, okay. but I'm not convinced they get multiple.
1: Gotcha. I, I would think say I think
0: Notre Dame's going to be run first and very careful with the ball.
1: That is a Jack Cohen special. I, I just, yeah, I think the defense has been really good in that aspect this preseason, and I could just feel it. I could feel it all the way down to my plums, Chris. Who's uh, getting it? Uh, Travis J. Mm-hmm. I'll go with Travis. I'll Jay. go
0: Kevin Knowles. Oh, well, he, he has. has a ten- him and Shaheen Brown uh-huh. tend to have a nose for the ball. I don't think Brown gets enough reps to improve that mm-hmm. possibility. I think Knowles may as a nickel corner.
1: Yeah, I feel really solid about the future of the DB room with those two. They've been really nice this this preseason. Hunter Washington has his moments probably a year or two away. But,
0: and I love that kid. He,
1: yeah. he drives
0: people nuts on the field. He's he a His version of Jackson West.
1: Chippy. Yeah, you got two chippy guys. Maybe those two chippy players get into it every now and then at practice. But you know what? Pretty fun. I'm here More for of it. More of that is needed uh, in this program right now. Uh, Byers-Sanone, Andrew Partman leads FSU in receiving yards this season. This season? season? Mm-hmm. I'll buy that.
0: I think he has at least a couple really big games to help fluff the numbers a little bit. I'm interested to see how consistent he can be.
1: I'll buy that, too. I think he'll be – I think, like you said, he'll have some games where he's kind of disappears a little bit and some games where he puts up, you know, 100, 150 receiving yards and goes goes off a little bit. Uh, Rob Alvarez asks, will Jermaine Johnson get a sack on the freshman offensive tackle? Oh, I think Jermaine, dad. I'll buy that too, Byer-Sanone. Uh Let's see. Oh, and, and by the way, people listening or watching, uh, you can go ahead and subscribe to us on YouTube and watch live videos, get notifications when we go live, uh, whether it's a Q&A podcast, a live podcast recording like this. Sometimes Josh and I will just kind of, uh, fire up the the YouTube and go and answer questions, and maybe I'll have an adult beverage when I do so. So, yeah, go ahead subscribe. The kids say smash the like button. I don't think it matters how hard you uh, you smash or if you could just like lightly like tap the the like and subscribe buttons. That's that's fine too. It so all works.
0: on that last question, I always think back to Rodney Hudson when he got thrown out there for the first time. Mm-hmm. He just froze up completely, and he was very good the rest of the game. I believe it was at Clemson, if I recall correctly. But, like, first drive, he straight up froze on the field. And Rodney Hudson's arguably the best center in the NFL going on a decade of NFL. Yep. So, like, he's super good. But the first moment for a guy, it's still a moment. You know, who was it? Robert Cooper the other day, who said, you know, yep. my first time out there, I just forgot what the play was. It his
1: fir- his first play, yeah, it was the Virginia Tech game. His first play was a missed assignment because he just got up there and froze.
0: So Blake Fisher thinking he's supposed to go forward instead of pass pro and Jermaine Johnson just goes flying by him and there you go you got your sack. So I feel like that's one of those things that can easily happen.
1: We'll see how how it manifests itself on Sunday but Jermaine Johnson is talking the talk right now. We'll
0: see if he walks he, the walk he, but he, he is in desperate need of hitting somebody. He yeah, has been seen, insanely frustrated by having to let up on trying to hit quarterbacks in the
1: preseason. He does not seem like someone who's going to shrink in the moment based on how he's carrying himself right now. We'll see on, yeah. on Sunday, but there's reason to be a little excited about what he's going to do. All right, just a couple more left here. We're about to wrap up. Uh, Byer Sinone, the entire running back room is out due to COVID this week. On Reddit. Sinone, 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 Sinone and the Reddit rumors.
0: A majority of the depth chart at that position practice the last two days we were at practice.
1: I don't want to. I don't want to say days or numbers. i don't to get ourselves in trum- trouble here. I expect the running back room to be pretty intact and healthy. And yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll just put it that way. Uh, by Orsonon, what is FSU's season record? I know it's not a By synone answer, but you know, play the game.
0: Um, I'm living that six and six life.
1: All right, I am too. I am too. I was. I- I would say this, Chris. Back in like maybe the first like seven or 10 days of camp, I was thinking four to five wins. I think after the around.
0: Tuesday, where the two reserve quarterbacks were dreadful, the eight turnover day
1: and the centers were bad. And uh, yeah. it, it, it was in so that concern. range. It was in that range. Now, I think six and six is probably reasonable still right now.
0: Maurice Smith is fine snapping it. He has a moment here and there, like most centers do. But in general, Maurice is a cool, confident center. Mm-hmm. But man, after that, it's a big concern.
1: It drops off. Baby on Johnson's okay he's not as disastrous like a couple of years ago but but there may be one or two moments if he has to snap the ball out that it could get a little dicey and then after that man it it gets really problematic um yeah so just something to monitor and to watch so hopefully that that does not come to fruition for florida state all right last byerson i got for you here byerson on fsu is more likely to beat notre dame than it is to lose by two scores
0: I'd agree with that. Well, i picked them to lose by 10, so technically that's two scores. Uh, two scores means But I thought they were going more I with 14. I, I think yeah. it's more likely FSU wins and loses
1: by 14 or more. All right, Chris, let's get to see or season prediction. Game prediction. Game prediction, and then we'll get out of here.
0: I believe I went with 34-24. It's up on the front page now. A lot of what I talked about I kind of covered in there. Obviously, for FSU to pull off this upset, they have to be effective at not getting penalties against themselves, getting a couple of turnovers, giving themselves extra possessions. Finishing plays on both sides of the ball, winning one-on-ones on on offense and on defense. uh, Bothering Jack Cohn, taking away the running game of Notre Dame. Offensively, FSU, I think they have to play into Notre Dame's aggressiveness and kind of catch them off guard at times. I think that's attacking the middle of the field when the linebackers are flying in. I think that's doing stuff off the edge of the line when an end is crashing down on the quarterback, you know, who is supposed to pick up a tight end or a running back coming out of backfield or the outside backers gambling. Or you know, a safety comes crashing down the middle of the field so can get there and hit it. It's going to be a matter of FSU putting together drives in the sense of draining some clock, keeping the clock balanced. But they got to hit shot plays. If they hit four or five shot plays, they'll have a shot of pulling this off. But they're going to have to hit at a pretty high rate. I don't think they take those a ton. I think they set them up a lot. When they come along, they have to hit them. But at the end of the day, I think Notre Dame's a better team, better depth, a uh, better kind of idea of who and what they are established i think that defense is going to bother fsu i think fsu is going to have some trouble of moving the ball at times um it would be very beneficial if fsu comes out of gate effective offensively instead of kind of having to play catch up i don't think they're built mm-hmm. to play catch up um but yeah i picked notre dame i think notre dame's a better team i think notre dame has a real shot of going 10 and 2 or better this year um you know i, I like that team i think I, i'm bullish on a guy like Kevin Austin, I think he can be pretty damn good. I remember him as a high school prospect, you know, and they got some other pieces that will help free him up and give him opportunities to make plays. It's more a matter of can Jack Cohn make Kevin Austin as effective as Kevin Austin can be.
1: I remember, well, because real quick, on the message board yesterday, someone presented a question to us, Chris. is basically Positional pos- matchups. Yeah, positional matchups. If you just go like quarterback compared to quarterback, not even across the ball, but quarterback to quarterback, who's better, running back to running back, all the way down the line. Uh, what do we have? Like FSU maybe has three of those positions where we feel like they're better at. Yeah. Like
0: I quarterback, I am no lover of Jack Cone. Um, I think Travis's athleticism, escapability is interesting. I feel like going push is kind of a eh, move on my part, but I would probably go push at best mainly because I need to see Jack Cone in person. I don't watch a lot of Wisconsin football outside of here and there when they're on Fox. What? Um, yeah. I know shocking. I like entertaining myself, not being bored. Running back, I think Notre Dame's certainly better. Wide receiver, even though Notre Dame's super experienced, I think Kevin Austin is probably more talented than anybody FSU has. And if we're including tight ends in that dynamic, then definitely goes to Notre Dame's favor. If we're doing tight ends straight up, it's Notre Dame. O-line, I still think it's Notre Dame, despite the fact they're inexperienced in breaking in new bodies. Uh, FSU would love to have Kane Madden, for example. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah for, for context – and this isn't really a shock. Dylan Gibbons has been solid for FSU's preseason camp. He would have been a high-end rotational piece for Notre Dame, but I don't think he was assured to start uh, for Notre Dame. And, and he's coming to camp uh, basically in like two or three months, taking over a starting job for FSU. So just for yeah. context of what the offensive line discrepancy is like right now between the two programs. Yeah, and
0: FSU, you know, they keep saying eight or nine in the no, they, they, I don't think they have eight or nine at this point. I think they might have seven. Uh, you know, I, I, Dante Lucas, I would definitely say is a six. Baby on is a serviceable 70s, a swing guy on the interior. I don't love anybody at their tackle depth. I think they are going to have to slide Love Taylor out the tackle if they were have to do that. I don't mm-hmm. think Lloyd Willis is ready for the show, and I don't think there's another capable body right now. So it's still, still a thin bunch, and it's an area where you got to deal with it sometimes. and it gets real dicey real quick. Mm-hmm. D-line, I still think Notre Dame's better. Even though I do think FSU's vastly improved there, but I'm not fully in on FSU's D-line until – the time comes that they've done it in games, but I'm 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 Dennis Briggs High fan club. I mean, I'm here for it. I love the kid. I think he's developed into the player they recruit him to be, and I think he's certainly the image of what FSU future defensive tackles under Mike Norvell and his staff are going to be. And they kind of said that this week. I think Adam Fuller in fact said that. Um, Jermaine Johnson, we talked about earlier. I think Kier Thomas is also a big key to everything they do, and I think I think Marcus Cushney is a big piece because last year they didn't have that. Third capable body that could go to when a guy needed a moment to get catch his breath and such. I think Cush needs a big help in that regard this year. Um, and Quashawn Fuller, to a degree, behind Kira Thomas is a big body to hold, set the edge. Linebacker is still a massive concern for FSU, so I'd give Notre Dame the edge there. DBs, uh, Kyle Hamilton's better than anybody FSU has in the secondary, in my opinion. So I'd give the edge to Notre Dame there. Special teams, you know, Notre Dame's super experienced in that group with punter and kicker they're pretty sound in that group. You know, I'd I'd still go there until FSU starts knocking down field goals with some consistency. So, you know, I'm I'm not trying to be a downer or a homer either which way with that stuff, but I, I just think Notre Dame is a more talented football team. And there's a reason Notre Dame is number nine preseason, despite losing nine guys in the NFL draft.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And again, this is all on paper, the exercises that we're doing. We'll see what happens obviously on Sunday. And that's a boring answer to say, we'll see, but, but it's the first game of the season last year was so weird in terms of being able to judge what what this FSU team can be. They've overhauled uh, almost half the starting lineup in in the last year and a half. Uh, You have a full offseason now that you did not have last year with Mike Norvell, Adam Fowler, the strength staff. So there's certainly a chance for a huge jump for FSU. We'll see what happens on Sunday. I went with FSU losing 31 to 23. Uh, I think that we'll see this FSU team compete. Uh, I think we'll see it go well into the second half. I just – Notre Dame's experience across the board on defense uh, and the way they're going to attack FSU, their strengths and their matchups on offense to FSU's weaknesses, Uh, I just don't think it portends to FSU being able to pull off the upset. But, again, we'll see on Sunday. All right, Christopher, anything else before we get out of here?
0: No. I hope people enjoy themselves. I hope that place is loud. I hope it's Mm -hmm. fun. I think the weather's supposed to be good, knock on wood. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm ready for it. I'm, I'm looking forward to enjoying a good Saturday slate of football with some friends and then taking it in Sunday and working until the wee hours of Monday morning.
1: All right, everyone, enjoy safe travels to Tallahassee for coming up here. Uh, hopefully, you have fun on Sunday. We'll talk to you, I guess, probably wee hours of Sunday morning, maybe Monday morning on On the Benches. We do a live rapid reaction podcast. So, check us out then. Until then, Uh, We'll see you in a few days.